internet, welcome to the only podcast about movies, year in review of reviews of the year. My name is Matthew Kroll. And my name is Dowd Shahir. Dowd, okay, Dowd Shahir. Listen, I name the things and yell a bunch, <laughs> and you're the one that has all of the movie info. I'm so meta. I'm like reading what you're saying and turning it into a thing. Right. Well, normally we'd quote something, but I didn't feel like quoting ourselves. This is the only podcast about the only podcast about movies. This is our year in review of our reviews, so to speak. It's kind of like we're going Malcolm Malkovich, Malkovich on ourselves. Right. Of course. Of course. Well, no, I mean, we wanted to do this sort of little extra bonus episode, uh, kind of as a weird sort of two, two reasons. One, as an exercise in masturbation of uh, metaphysical and masturbation. We all know how much we love that. Right. But two, <laughs> two, uh, to thank you guys for a wonderful sort of first year. It's been not a year, but like just under a year under. Yeah. Like it just be thank you so much for for tuning in and listening to us rant about what we like and what we don't like. And we, we like you listening to us liking us things or stuff. <laughs> What's been cool is uh, is seeing the amount of listeners rise. Like when we first started out, we had like 20 people listening. Then we had like 30 and 40 and it's starting to slowly pick up. So we wanted to say thank you to the people who've been writing in emails, who've been listening to us consistently. Um, at the end of this episode, uh, towards the end, after we get through our top 10 list, we want to uh, read out some of the emails we've been getting. We've kind of collected a little backlog of emails that we, we want to get to. We have. Um, and so, yeah, again, want to thank everyone that we start. Why did we start this podcast, Matt? I mean, we started it because we love bitching about shit. No. Well. No? Also, because there were no other podcasts. Oh, I mean, well, <laughs> that, that is true. Shahir, you have hit the nail on the head. We saw an opening. We saw. And we took need, it. We saw a need for a product because since no one talks about films after, other than maybe like when you're walking out of the theater and like, oh, did you like that? Yeah, that's pretty cool. No, no one's, one's talking that. about it. So, and we have this, this, you know, the, the, the mm -hmm. series of tubes known as the internet that we can deliver <laughs> the only podcast about it. I mean, there's podcasts about everything. And for some reason, this was just a hole that was left. Yeah. And, and what, it, what would we do with a hole if not fill it oh god yeah you took it i was gonna make that joke but no you took it i beat you to it um yeah so again stay tuned uh for people who've uh, emailed us in we're gonna read out a few of those emails yeah. and uh keep emailing us in remember we can reach us at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com our twitter handle at onlymoviepod and we have a facebook page as well excellent um now let me just lay out the the, the format of sort of what we're going to be doing mm -hmm. shahir and i have made independent lists of the top 10 films of the year that we've reviewed Views. So these aren't the these aren't the top ten movies of all of no, the year. It is only in the trough of the 22, 22 films, films we that we've done. And I just want to point out that I thought when Shahir pitched this to me, it was going to be our top. We want to review our top ten reviews that we <laughs> did, and that is a separate list about things I like. But I can talk about that. Wait, sort you of did later. what? Don't worry about it. Everything's fine. Oh my god, I feel uh, so uncomfortable. No, so we're right gonna now. do a top ten movies that we reviewed in order. We're gonna go ten, ten, nine, nine, eight, eight. And we're gonna discuss them a little bit and what we liked and what we didn't like. And then uh, we're going to get into a couple sort of uh, reviews each. I think we prepared three each of sort of our little extra reviews, like two minutes on yeah, films just... that we didn't get to this year that we think deserve some sort of recognition. Then we're going to talk about some trends we noticed in 2015, which uh, I think are very present and very uh, important to sort of look back at who we were as a movie going year. <laughs> and then we're going to talk about what we're looking forward to in 2016, followed by emails and probably thanking you again. Oh, thanking me again? 
No, no thank, thank thanking the listeners again. Oh, I'm so up my own ass right now. But Matt, it aside from thanking our listeners, I want to thank you for putting up with my bullshit, for being here to record this podcast, for 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 listening to the to to my anti Star Wars, anti fun rants for a whole year, and not only like putting up with it, but coming back for more. He even. Dear listener, and you should know this, he bought me one of the best Christmas presents. When I showed it to my wife, she said, that's it, Matt Kroll has won Christmas. He bought me uh, a lovely little mug, uh, which says the only podcast about movies. It's got a little logo on it, and underneath it, it says, Shahir. No, I hate fun. Quotes, Shahir yeah. Dowd. Yeah. Which is, I want to point out something I've never said. <laughs> Uh, okay, first of Except all... Except in reference to the fact that you've you, said it. Thank you. Although you have said, well, you know I hate fun. You have <laughs> said that. No, uh, it has been a pleasure, sir, and it has been... Listen, we can't all like fun. Let's be very clear. And if we both just liked fun, I don't think we'd be too interesting to listen to. This might be the only fun I like is doing this podcast. Oh, buddy, <laughs> you're making the goth kid blush, the uh, ex-goth kid. I'm not goth anymore. Wow, I'm old. Yeah. Um... But no, it's been really fun, and I'm glad uh, we get to do this little retrospective about the movies and just sort of things that we've been doing. So yeah, we'll... we'll uh with that, I mean, if uh, it's now, uh, you know, some of these movies that we've reviewed are like, uh, they're on DVD now, they're on Blu-ray, sure, they're on sure. iTunes. So if you um, want to go back through the archive of one year of 22 films that we did this year, uh, here's your chance for what we think is the most interesting things we saw and talked about. So why don't we just jump right in, man? Let's let's uh, let's start. I want to hear your your number, your 10th movie of the year out of the 22 that we've reviewed. Wow, we did so many. And number 10, and what'll be interesting is, is to compare what I liked versus what you liked. Oh, yes. <laughs> I think that's the basis of this whole show. So let's just, uh, let's go. It, it's interesting because we've only got 22 here and and because I hate fun, a fair few of these were films I didn't enjoy. Well, the remaining uh, films on this list. And this is one that I didn't enjoy, but I actually thought was quite a good movie oh. uh, to come in at number 10 was the Big Short. Really? Yeah, Big Short was on my number 10. It cracked my number 10 list. Why is that? I, I just think it was, well, again, there's a the, the pool of films we had to pick from meant that uh, The Big Short is much better than Entourage and Jurassic Park and Mission Impossible 5, for example. Um, but uh, I, I do, the more the subject matter of The Big Short still compels me. And like, I think what an interesting thing that we're going to be doing right now is thinking about which films have sat with us like over the course of this year? Oh, is that what we're supposed to do? Well, you know, as a thought. <laughs> no, I mean, it's I mean, a good thought. I, I think, I think that, I mean, for me, when I was writing this list, you know, that was what I thought about was the films that maybe I didn't even like them at the time, but which ones sat with me? That's fair. Um, which ones kind of stay with me? And The Big Short... I think uh, as we get into the next election, I think even Bernie Sanders was asked the question at a rally this week, have you seen The Big Short? And he said, yes. <laughs> he said, damn right I have. Oh, wow. Something along those lines. Um, you know, I think the topic of The Big Short will come up uh, often and will be talked about a lot. Um, one film when we did The Big Short that I forgot to mention that I think is actually a better film than The Big Short is Margin Call. Um, I don't know why we didn't mention Margin Call, but well, I know uh, why I didn't because yeah, I've like, never heard of it. Oh, really? It's yeah. a really good film about that uh, about the failure of the housing market, uh, but it's told from the perspective of being inside the banks. Gotcha. And the bank, you know, like basically uh, analysts inside the banks are going, 
holy shit, this whole thing's going to fall apart and we're about to lose that. And it's like the day before it all starts. Right. Lehman Brothers starts falling apart. Uh, by J.C. Chandor, who did uh, A Most Violent Year and oh. All Is Lost. Ooh. So right. it's a, it's a great. I love it. I think I like it more than A Big Short. You've but I, piqued my interest, sir. Yeah. It's funny that you make that your top, one, your, your number 10, because yeah. I would put that definitely in the middle to high range if we were reviewing our reviews. Because right. our review of it, I thought, and this is so funny because I'm going to now talk about <laughs> the review we did of a movie that's topic matter is better than the actual film about it. Yeah. So I'm I'm triple meta-ing at this yeah. point, but we got into some crazy shit even down to like what altruism is during that whole yeah, thing. So I really, I enjoyed that conversation, but my number 10 movie that I saw this year was, uh, I, I imagine might be a little higher on your list, was Mission Impossible 5 Rogue Nation. <laughs> Didn't crack my list. No, didn't really? crack my list. Wow. But I, but I think you always talk so high. <laughs> Mission Impossible Five: Rogue Nation. Um, yeah. I mean, not really. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I figured it'd at least be like ten or nine on yours. You know, I have thought about the uh, the the scene inside the opera house yep, a little more, cool. and, and how much I I did kind of enjoy that scene, and how much when I think about that scene a bit more, I I kind of like remember it fondly. I really like it because, and I think it's a good number ten of ten, uh, because I think it takes the formula. The formula that we've seen yeah. and a formula that is not new, but takes it and does just it doesn't do like new interesting things. It just sort of like takes it and really hones it down to like we're, we're used to this. We're comfortable with this. But this is an action movie executed on a very high level in a, in a format that we're comfortable with. And, you know, there was um the the woman. I can never remember her name. The actress. Oh, um, the the actress that was in it that I, stole the show. She's she really was... good. She's wonderful. Um, And I, I she always sort of resonated with me. Uh. And it was just sort of nice to see a Mission Impossible again that's done very, very, very cleanly and well. Not it, that the other ones were bad, but like it was just they've just refined and refined and refined. And Rebecca I think, Ferguson. Thank was you name. very much. I, I'm I'm still, you know, uh, it still doesn't hit the high watermark of Mission Impossible 3 for me. But, I know. I know. So. Few things can. And it was also nice, again, going back to the meta on meta on meta action. It was nice to have our significant others sort of in the room. Yeah, I like the I female liked, perspective of the actual seeing the film. But that's just me. Oddly, that review was one of our most popular downloaded episodes, well, and I think it might have to do with having a significant others in the well, world. Well, either way, <laughs> I think that means that so far I'm winning this list if it's a competition, because, oh, really? if, because if you didn't mark it and I marked it on the list then and the people liked it, I guess <laughs> I'm winning the people. Let's move on to number nine and see if you can take this fight back. You're going to be surprised by my number. You're going to be surprised by a couple of, uh, a couple of things on my list. Okay. Uh, my number nine is... The Force Awakens. Okay. No, that doesn't surprise me. That doesn't surprise you? No, because I think... I, this is me reviewing how I think you reviewed it. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> I think you... I think... The 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 exercise that we did... And by the way, for my list, I, I don't know if you did this, I excluded our six... Uh, our six Star Wars podcasts. Oh, spoiler alert. I, I don't just, know if I just did. Because, no, it's okay if you didn't. I just I just felt like those were so great, but they were kind of a standalone thing. Yeah. Uh, but as far as the movies are concerned, because I want to stick with this year or whatever, I think that us doing the six films got you in a headspace to sort of like, in a, some might call it conditioning, to enjoy the Star Wars universe more than you had. Uh, and I, I do. I think it's a great movie. I think it that's a that's a good sort of spot for it. Yeah. Uh, especially, um, I, I just think it, it's 
no matter if you sort of li- are a Star Wars fanboy or you're just going to the movies for kind of a good time, it's it's a really fun time at the movie. Like it's just it's a it's a popcorn movie. It's it's an it's a it's an original like it's the original story, meaning it's not original. Yeah. But like it and it and it's fun. It's funny because uh, a lot of the emails we're going to talk about uh, are about the Force Awakens, and a lot of those emails are about how much I dislike the film, and I think. Uh, while I, you know, like if we were doing a top 10 of the year, it wouldn't crack my top 10 probably at all. Right. Um, but you're limited to what we have. <laughs> limited to what we have. But I didn't hate the experience of being in the film. I just didn't. And, and Such I think, a glowing yeah, yeah, review. Yeah, yeah. I didn't hate the experience <laughs> of being in the film. You should see it. Down, put that put on, on the, the DVD poster. box. Yeah. Put it on the box. Listen, J.J. Abrams, I'm telling you now, <laughs> you will sell at least... One half more DVDs if you put that on the cover. Ridiculous. <laughs> um, but I didn't hate the movie, and it was. And I think when you compare it to some of the other movies we reviewed this year, you're just dropping so many pull quotes. I can't take <laughs> it. Like Entourage, like Jurassic World, like like Mission Impossible Five. Like those films are a little bit more forgettable for me. And this wh- one thing I do love and I do miss is like the big movie experiences. And this mm-hmm. was like a big movie experience. It was All a big right. cultural touchstone. Yeah. Well, my number nine might shock you, my friend. Mm. Uh, it, I, no, you know what? This makes perfect sense. My number nine, in conjunction with yours, is a pigeon sat at a branch and contemplates existence. I think they're in per, per perfectly inverse. In they are perfectly uh, yin, yin and yang. I bet right you there. you'll find... Uh, I'll find a Force Awakens at the exact opposite position on your list, Maybe, and I you'll find so. a pigeon at the exact opposite so. position. No, you dragged me to this art film <laughs> by a very creative director. Yeah. Um, what was his name again? Because I'm horrible with names. Uh, Roy Anderson. Yeah. He th- he made this living diorama mm. that while is not my normal cup of tea when it comes to film film going. Uh, it was it was super interesting. I, I think it ran a little long, but that's not to say it wasn't it wasn't something special in its own right that I wasn't used to. And uh, it 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 just sort of I don't know it 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 was nice to see something different in a summer of all of the movies that I normally go see. So I I, I appreciated that you 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 dragged me to it, and it was nice too. Uh, again, reviewing the review of the review. Um, the it was nice to sort of have that right outside the theater moment we did with uh, some of your some of your, the, yeah, the, the people we public. knew there. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm hoping uh, that will be something we'll try to do a little bit more. It's been towards the end of this year. It's been harder for us to get to the movies. Yeah. Um, but I'm hoping that we will do uh, those segments a little bit more where we record people outside the movie to get initial reactions. Um, a pigeon. I'll talk about it uh, a little bit later. What's your number eight then? Uh, my number now. This is uh, probably breaking the rules a little bit, but I've got um a tie at number eight. Jesus Christ! Um, <laughs> uh, my tie for number eight is Sicario and the Hateful Eight, which I would dis- and the reason they're a tie is that you know what? Okay, mm-hmm. give me your reason, and then I'm gonna call bullshit on it because a tie. Yeah, a tie. Go. Why? All right. uh, these are films by extremely talented directors, extremely talented filmmakers, and I wanted to like them. I wanted to love them, and I didn't quite. Um, and so they were kind of somewhat disappointing for me, but they're, ex- they're, they're executed with such level of art craftsmanship and such care and such love. And, they, and both films have scenes that I will remember for the rest of my life, I think. And you're like, for example, Sicario, I listen to the soundtrack almost, you know, at least once a week now and scenes from Sicario are going to sit with me for a long time, but I didn't 
love the film and I and and you know we talked at length about what I had problems with in the film and it's the same with The Hateful Eight I love Tarantino but I don't think this is his best film I think it's one of his weaker films and you know despite that I enjoyed being at those movies because they're such good movies they're just not quite I understand yeah all of that makes 100% sense to me answer me this which one did you like better I think Sicario. Okay, then that's your number eight. <laughs> that's your number eight. But and then that, bump the rest down. Well, then if Force Awakens would get dropped for the Hateful Eight, but I think, but I think, but that's how numbering works. <laughs> Which do you like better, uh, Sicario? And that's fair because my number eight is the Hateful Eight. Right. Yeah. So I mean, did you do that symbolically? I did, and it's so weird that it actually is. I'm looking for it on my list, and I was like, "Well, I didn't even plan that. I should have. That's clever." The eighth film by Quentin Tarantino is ended up at number eight, eight on um, your list. Again, I really enjoyed my time, and I, I I hope it's not just because he was there. Right. I, I'm looking forward it, it, to watching it. Makes it makes a again. difference, though. I know. Yeah. Uh, but he was again. I said it in the review, and I'll say it again here. He was glowing. Yeah. He loved his film. He loved his cast. He loved his producers. Like it was a really proud like. It's very rare that you see people that you respect live super proud of something. Right. And I don't know if I loved the experience as more like that. I'm sure I did. And I'm sure that sort of permeates into it. But overall, if I can try to separate the film, it's I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with sort of what you said. It's like there are moments in it of greatness. Yeah. Um, And it does falter in a couple places. And we talked about some of the, the sort of even social issues it doesn't handle uh, aptly. Yeah. Um, But uh, it's a really good film. I will buy it and I will watch it again. And I'll I, 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 here's, here's how I know it's a good movie. I'm going to buy it before I watch it again. Right. Do you okay. know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So it already a blind has buy my money yeah. twice. Even if I never watch that disc again, I respect it enough. To, to have to it. actually own it in my collection. Yeah, no, I get that. And, so, yeah. you know, one one thing you just mentioned that uh, made me think quickly, and I'll, I'll try to say this as succinctly as possible, but, we, but we, we pick, I feel like I pick on filmmakers a lot. Like I'm saying, you didn't do this right, you did this right, you didn't do this right. I do want to point out that, you know, like both Matt and I are filmmakers ourselves, and it's so hard to make a film. And I want, I do want to point out that when we criticize films, we do it, well, at least I hope it comes across that I do it out of love. You know, like, like when, when Sicario doesn't do something well, I'm still like excited that Denis Villeneuve is making a film. And, and like the way you were talking about Quentin Tarantino, it's still so awesome. And he's such a, he's such a lover of the form that we love so much that it's, you know, like, I, I, you know, J.J. Abrams is another one. You know, I didn't enjoy The Force Awakens that much, even though it made my top 10 list. But like, dude, to do what he did is amazing. Insane. To do what any Insane. of these people do is amazing even to the point of a film that we're going to talk about in a bit actually I'll, I'll come back to it all right well number seven what do you got uh beasts of no nation ah which would fall similarly in it, it kind of has the same thing to me that sicario and uh hateful eight have which is that it's an exceptional film i think it doesn't it doesn't quite stick the landing for me in sure, some ways sure. but it's such it's such a powerfully resonant film about such an important issue and I don't think it I don't think it messes up that badly it just doesn't quite you know um it, it's kind of weird like the, the uh, for, for for me filmmaking is kind of like you plant a seed and then you hope that it flourishes and uh, the beast of no nation for me doesn't quite flourish you know it 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 grows and it grows beautifully but it doesn't quite flourish for me yeah um, I can see that so yeah, no, I, 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 and it, you know, look, Carrie Fukunaga, uh, amazing filmmaker. Yeah, you know, I yeah. enjoyed it. 
Uh, my number seven is a little bit different. My number seven is Anomalisa, actually. The oh. last one we did before this one. Um, it, 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 it's, it's something that, again, if we're talking about sticking, it, it, it definitely had moments where I think about it even, you know, it's only, granted, it's the most recent uh, film yeah. we've reviewed, but I've watched films since then. So, yeah. like, it's not, you know, whatever. It sat in your consciousness. It sat in my consciousness. The, 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 I'm, I'm a big fan of any piece of artwork in any medium that sort of, gives meaning and questions mundane action mm-hmm. and this does it in spades it takes a kind mm-hmm. of unlikable protagonist throws him in a super generic setting makes it fantastical with a couple different things and, and masterfully puts across a feeling of it, it it puts across how you can feel something is special in an interesting way with the voice work that they do along with the puppets and whatnot. So, well, I, I think it's a, it's a great film that uh, captures an emotion, you know, like it, it captures an emotion right. so well. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's great. Yeah, no. Um, and yeah, you know, I was just watching a feature right about it. It took three years to make yeah, that movie. Well, it's obvious because the craftsmanship, it, it's on the screen shoot here. Yeah. But it's, it's amazing. It's on the screen. It's amazing. It's such a small film still. Yeah. But well. I, I think it's better that way. I think, I think that's going to be something that's awesome for people to find later in life. Yeah. Like, I feel like five years from now, when someone randomly comes across it, either on Netflix or however we get movies, sort of the, you know, not huge films uh, in the future, I think it's going to be one of those surprises that when people watch it, it might become some of their favorites. And it's nice that I like it when really great things. I mean, I love seeing great things do well, but I also like seeing great things kind of slide under because I know people will have the same sort of like, oh, my God, how did I miss this yeah, sort of quality yeah. to it? Um, number six, go for it. Ah, this is going to surprise you again. The entire Star Wars original trilogy. Okay. Hit my number six. Um, it, it was, you know, I guess you could maybe, maybe you narrow it down to A New Hope. Jesus uh, Christ. Um, but, but I kind of like, I, I couldn't separate A New Hope from Empire and, and Return of the Jedi. I think you're confusing shock me with anger. <laughs> because, because of my, my ability to count is, uh, is starting to. No, no, no. Your ability to count <laughs> in, other than your eighth one is fine. <laughs> And even grouping them all together is fine, but if we're putting Star Wars, fucking Star Wars, well, in this- I think I think Star Wars was a unique thing for me because in the same way that you, you know, you talked about dragging me, dragging you to see a pigeon, sure, dragging me to see Star Wars was a tough. Tough ass, right. and like and like six hours of Star Wars, even to the no, point more, where I it's th- more than six hours of Star more, Wars before it's, it's 12. twelve. Think about it because oh, you yeah. watched the films. We talked about oh, Star God, Wars yeah. for six hours, and even to the point where I threatened to take Matt to Matthew Barney's new film, River of Fundament, which is five and a half hours long. And I said I'd begrudgingly go. <laughs> Unfortunately, Matthew Barney's film is very hard to to see because un- you know, like it's in a road show, and there's only a few. They're only showing it in a few places, and there's no sound. There is sound. I thought you said there wasn't sound. No, I was telling you a story about when I saw a Matthew Barney film oh. in New Zealand. I was like, I'm going to go sit for five hours <laughs> in silence. I, I could tell it's for another time, but I could tell you another experience about that with Matthew Barney. Right. Um, but, but listen, the thing about it was, was you got me to see how much fun Star Wars is. And it's weird because I don't feel... I still don't feel connected to that world. I feel like it's a very strange world. Like I'm, yeah, I'm thinking about stories that have like massive worlds and like ga- I'm much more invested in the Game of Thrones universe than I ever will be in Star Wars. Let me like, ask you this. Do you think it's because 
the Game of Thrones universe is something you're experiencing live with the rest of the world in a sort of sense, whereas Star Wars was something that you really didn't because it didn't pique your interest at the time. Perhaps, you know, but also, yeah, because, well, like, if you think about another universe that existed in that time, uh, Back to the Future, I'm much more invested in the Back to the Future universe right. than I am in, in the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. So I still find things like... Uh, the Empire and, you know, uh, was it Kashir where the Wookiees are from? Kashyyyk, motherfucker. You know, like all that stuff. I just find it such a strange little thing and I'm not attached to it. I love how you you put the two examples from Star Wars was the Empire (laughs) and a mispronounced (laughs) uh, fucking Wookiee planet. Which isn't in the original trilogy either. No, no. Um, So, but I, you know, watching, what it really made me want to do is I want to go see THX 1138, I think it is. I think that's what it is. And, and I really want to see American Graffiti because, and, you know, I think there's this interesting thing happening right now, which is there is a little bit of backlash against The Force Awakens. And the backlash has led people to George Lucas. And it's because of this interview that George Lucas has done with Charlie Rose, where he talks, he, he's kind of like half criticizing the force awakens but heard about it yeah and and it does i have to admit uh watching a force awakens make me go makes me go man what lucas did with a new hope is pretty extraordinary this is something i mean yes of course mm, yeah. but like this whole like I, i'm getting <laughs> here we are de- 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 delivering our show on the internet i'm going to say i'm getting sick of the internet because <laughs> a lot of times there's just backlash for things I feel like, and this is, I think, is one of the cases. Not that you can't like this film. You could not like this film. Wait, are we talking Star Wars or The Force Awakens? I'm talking The Force Awakens for now, but also everything on the internet, if this (laughs) sort of gets that. If you become too popular on the internet, there's going to be a group. It's like this weird checks and balances thing of like, oh my God, this thing is too beloved. Let's get some some smart, like one or two sort of smart things tearing it down, and then all of the dummies jump onto it. and Like, yeah, like it's this weird seesaw of popularity you see it with films. You see it with with famous people, actors, actresses, politicians, yeah. newscasters, uh, anything uh, in- inspirational memes, like mm. everything on the internet. If you become, it's like you either die the hero yeah, or live, live long, long enough, enough to see, to see yourself, yourself become, become the, the fucking villain. villain. Yeah. Like, and it's this weird thing about. I think it's human nature, oddly enough, to tear your idols down eventually. And it sucks. And again, I'm not saying if you don't like something, you shouldn't be vocal about it. But I do feel like on both sides of a thing, when something initially comes out, a lot of people say it's good. Then there's bandwagoning and then everyone says it's good. And then there's dissenters and then the bandwagoners switch sides. So it's this weird seesaw of popularity. And it sucks. I'm sick of it. Like, I, I just like what you like and don't like what you don't like and fuck everyone else. Like, I know that's hard yeah. in, a, in a social context. And it's it's hard to watch something in a vacuum these days. Like, it, you know, like, it's hard to watch. Well, you can't. I didn't go on the internet until I saw Star Wars, like, that when it came out, because you're worried about spoilers. No, but it's not just spoilers. It's hard to, it's hard, like, there's so much conversation, there's so much av- avenue for conversation now. Like, for example, you could download a podcast talking about movies. I mean, there's only one, but <laughs> you can download one. it. You can do it if you, you wanted to. You did it. You, li- you congratulations, <laughs> you found it. But but it's hard to watch a film in a vacuum. So so the conversation is so much is so accessible. The, the, and it's kind of like it's kind of like uh, watching the ocean move in a way, you know, like it's impossible to avoid it. And you and people get swept up in trends and it's, you know, like and it swings back and forth, like you say. I know it's just an aspect of human nature. I just like we need to we need to move. What's on. your number six? Uh, my number six is white God. Oh, wow. It didn't crack my top ten. Really? Yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, 
it it uh, was a hard watch for a pet lover. Yeah. Um, but it did a lot of interesting things. I wish it sort of did some other things with it, such as follow the dog 100% and not keep going back to the little girl, as we said. By the way, this is a film about a dog that the father kicks out. And, and Go watch it. It's on Netflix. Yeah, <laughs> it's really it's really strong. Um, And it's it's. I don't know. It, it, there's a lot sort of that harkens back. And I know it doesn't feel the same, but for some reason it might be when the dog's uh, little buddy dog uh, mm. looks exactly like Flag from Umberto D, which mm. is one of my top five. I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot of sort of, there's things in this film that strike a chord with me on multiple levels. And um, it's funny as a pet lover, as an animal lover, it's a hard watch, but at the same time, it's never gratuitous and it's awful, like in its yeah. violence. And it's something that, it's not a feel-good pet movie, but it, it feels like an important sort of animal movie for some reason, even though it is ridiculous that the dogs, like an army, yeah. become organized. I think it, I think I, I really wanted to love this movie, mm-hmm. and it didn't quite, and I was kind of disappointed when I saw it, and yeah. that's, that, that's that kind of riding the hype train kind of sure. problem that you can have. And, and I had no hype. I think that might be, too, a yeah. difference in, in our perspectives of it. This mm-hmm. is something that you told me to watch, and I, I purposely throwing it on had no idea what it was about right and then i was like oh it's about a dog yeah i'm like that's oh okay yeah and then i was like oh oh god and then yeah. you know so it had more of a surprise value for me than you who had seen you don't watch trailers and you saw that trailer yeah no and and perhaps it should kind of on my list you know kind of sit in the it would be in that like this is the number eight space don't where, you fucking <laughs> take your numbers back we just i'm not taking up. i'm not taking my numbers back but it would be in that space of like masterful filmmaking that doesn't quite Land for me. All right. All uh, right. Number five, you. Number five for me, Kung Fury. Nice. Kung Fury. I just, this is such an exciting thing that a, that a half hour short film funded on Kickstarter could make such a huge impact. Yeah. Um, I just watched it recently again. Oh, really? Yeah. And did it, how did it hold up? It's so good. Yeah. And, and I showed it to my girlfriend. I showed it to Robin. And she was, uh, the, the thing she kept muttering happily while grinning huge was, what the fuck is this? Yeah, yeah. And then when it ended, she's like, is there more? Is this a series? And I was like, no. She's like, what the fuck? I just, I think it's cool that it's not a feature film because I could feel I, myself yeah. getting- a no, 100%. Like I would get tired of I the whole- I would not want to watch it. That's, that, it's an example of a piece of media that knows where it should live. Yeah, and, exactly. And just fucking takes that for all it's worth. And that's a great feeling. It's a good move. Yeah, yeah. And so I... Um, good look on you, Kung Fury. Yeah, no, it was great. And, you know, like, again, that thing where we talk about uh, talking about filmmakers with love, you know, like this is a filmmaker that I think is going to go places, obviously. I don't know if they'll, you know, uh, I don't know what they'll be doing next, yeah. but obviously they have a lot of attention on them. And it's just, it's cool that a short film... You know, because I make short films, it's cool that a short film had such a, you know, this is the blockbuster of short films. It really is. And, yeah. it's, and it's still fucking rad as hell to watch. Yeah. Uh, my number five was uh, something equally hyped for me, I think, is Jurassic World. Ugh. I know you hate it. I still don't know why. <laughs> uh, look, if you're looking for your best time popcorn movie of the year, I would even say it's weird because so... I love Jurassic Park. We all love Jurassic Park. We all love Jurassic. If you don't, yeah, why are you listening to a movie podcast or the movie podcast? Yeah. Um, but the the Jurassic World is a different beast from Jurassic Park. And it does something I think that Star Wars, if I'm going for a summer blockbuster, 
I mean, obviously, Star Wars was in December. But even if Star Wars released in the summer, I still wouldn't call Star Wars a summer blockbuster. Star Wars, to me, is a weird, continuous event thing. Right. They're different. I, I I would like to at least think a little bit while at Star Wars. And you do. It's evident about how people think Please about... Please don't tell me you're thinking during Jurassic Park. No, that, this, is my point. Yeah. this is my point. Yeah. With Star Wars, you think about the entire world of it, and you're like, oh, what it, what's fucking Grand Moff Tarkin doing? And who the... You know, Dengar's yeah. over here, whoever the fuck, right? Yeah. But like... Uh, it's the whole reason why Boba Fett's a thing. But with Jurassic World, and Jurassic Park is different because it makes you think not so much about the world, but the, the Jurassic Park makes you think about the issues in it. But this just takes the sort of limited world of Jurassic Park and makes a really fun, bigger version of it. And I, well, well again, this is... May, to, there's one word you missed there. It makes a bigger and dumber version of it. Sure. But that's, but my, I think we had this discussion when we talked about it. That's okay. Yeah. We have our heady version in Jurassic Park. I don't which is, think, which, is, which to me is more fun as well. I think it's on different levels. Yeah. I really do. If I'm in the mood for that, I want that. If I'm in the mood for I want to go and just have a fucking good loud time at the movies, Jurassic World states that and states it a fucking bunch. So I did really enjoy it. What is your number four, Shahir? My, <laughs> this is that, that inverse relationship that we were talking about. Uh, and we'll see if it pans out here. But my number four is a pigeon sat on a branch reflecting on existence. <laughs> I I love this filmmaker. I love this film. I my only reticence about this movie is that I think it's part of a trilogy of films that are to me difficult to separate from each other. Mm -hmm. And the first one that I saw was Songs from the Second Floor, which was such a a transformative film for me. And I don't think a pigeon sat in a branch reflecting on existence had that same transformative experience. Right. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, n ain't nobody making films like Roy Anderson does, no. and, and, you know, and nobody will be, and nobody's going to emulate this. And he, his film, you know, like he can do things where he transcends time and space without making a deal of it. You know, like this film jumps backwards in time to, to a revolution that happens and then, and then jumps forward in time to, to scientific experimentation mm -hmm. today. It's just, it's so, it's so free and fluid. And that scene, I mean, I'm hope you remember the scene, the scene of, of a white colonist. Oh you know, yeah. Like it's fucking horrifying. Is horrifying and funny and beautiful and disturbing all in the same thing without, you know, without changing the camera and it's, it's without moving the camera once. Yeah. Um, so, you know, masterful filmmaker, nobody does what he does and nobody does what he does as good as he does. Yeah. Uh, we're a little off. Mm. It's not exactly. Not quite exactly. Not exact. uh, my next one, my number four is The Gift. No. The Gift shocked the hell out of me, not because of what it was on screen, but sort of like how much I actually enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, in a, in a in a time I feel like the pure thriller has kind of died. Yeah, it's, um, it's hard to it's think. hard to do it because and again I blame and I've said it on this podcast before I blame marketing of films a lot of times and again I I, I going to be going back but I got to give Star Wars kudos for the restraint at least until the first the last two weeks before it released yeah. of like not showing everything of the piece yeah fucking. In a world where where hype is fucking king, I mean, we're watching companies left and right shoot themselves in the foot over and over again with, like, just retelling their entire story in trailer format. You didn't watch it, I'm sure, but the Batman v Superman trailer? I haven't watched it. There's no reason to see the film now. That's why I haven't watched it. I know, that. but like, but not that we're dying to see it. I'm not dying I, to see I it. I kind of am because I haven't seen the trailer. I, it, <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you, if you want the short version, it's available right now. Don't do it, yeah. But so in a, in a world where it's increasingly just giving everything away in a trailer, this is a film that had a great trailer that kind of seemed like it gave everything away. 
And then when you go, it has like 12 more turns that feel natural and great and, and, and shocking and fun uh, that you weren't expecting. So that to me really, really set it up as one of my most memorable films of the year because, you know, it was smaller and it's a thriller, but like, I can't remember a time since I'm trying to think of the last great thriller that I really sort of, sort of liked that didn't have like a supernatural element or like, um, well, for me, you know, like if you liked the gift, the other thriller that, uh, worked for me in the same way is actually by the same company of filmmakers and it's called animal kingdom. Uh, and that's more of a gangster thriller, but it's just, Oh, this is why, you know, like this is the kind of films I live for. Uh, Um, yeah. So I really liked it. I think everyone should check it out if they already have it. What is your number three? Number three is a film you've already mentioned. Anomalisa. Really? Yeah. Anomalisa, uh, Anomalies. Anomalies. Right. Uh, Anomalies is a film I just, the more I think about it, the more I love it. Um, but I, I love its, its attention to detail that, you know, it's, it's basically trying to put a microscope on the most minute things. Um, and it does it so well. And then I just, I don't think I've smiled as much as two people have chatted you know, as two people spoke in a scene as much as I did in this film, um, you know, and I don't think I, I, I can't think of another film this year, apart from maybe uh, Taika Waititi, who's a New Zealand filmmaker, his film, What We Do in the Shadows. I don't think I laughed out loud as much. That movie was phenomenal. Yeah. Well, that pro- movie was a hundred percent badass wonderment from my, from my hometown. And it's a, uh, it's great, but you know, so I, good. Anomalisa uh, is another film. I just laughed out loud at, I kind of, I had, um, you know, like emotional experiences doing this movie and I still, but yet I still think it's a small, small film, yeah. you know? And no, I, I just really, uh, of the films we saw, it's definitely one of the ones that just sat with me. Of course. Yeah. Uh, my, What's your number three? My number three is a star is Star Wars: of The Force Awakens. Right, so we were pretty close. We were close. To, we yeah. were close. We were one off. Yeah. Um, again, I gotta go back to, and again, I might credit us watching all six beforehand and making sort of a spectacle of it for ourselves before going to see it. But this, I mean, I got to admit, uh, it was a cultural turning point. I tried desperately to not get not turning point, but cultural uh, touch point. That's the yeah. one I was looking for. Um, that I tried desperately and not even tried at first I was indifferent. Then I tried to remain indifferent. And then Mm -hmm. once I sort of got a couple days away, like I got swept up in it because it is, there's something fucking magical about the event of star Wars. And this movie felt like star Wars. If even if you're pissed that it felt (laughs) too much like the first star Wars, it's still something that in that world, if you like that world, you're probably going to love this movie and it's safe. (laughs) sure it's a hundred percent safe but i think this is going to be a roundabout way of saying it the choice to make it so safe Mm -hmm. is not i i i would respectfully disagree well because here's (laughs) here's what here's why it's because you 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 know you have these sort of they they could how do i put it let me let me say one thing while you're thinking about that which is that I think one of the things that that's been a trend this year that I've kind of been disappointed by is how oh, don't get into trends yet, <laughs> but but disposable cinema, disposable films, sure. films that are essentially watch it, be done with it, throw it away. Um, and to me, Jurassic World is a perfect example of that. The Entourage film, which was the absolute bottom of my list, mm-hmm. is is a perfect example of just completely oh, dis- yeah! completely disposable cinema. And I think I think The Force Awakens 
falls into that category of being disposable. But oh, of the dis- but of the disposable films we saw this it's year, the best one. it's probably the most enjoyable. To to have the balls <laughs> to take such a beloved film and remake it, remix it, if you will. I'm talking a new hope into this, and have people love it. I'm sorry, that doesn't take balls to me. Really? No. Do that, you realize how? I mean, think about think about look, this for a second. George take, J. Abrams is a great filmmaker. Take take <laughs> take Pigeon. Yeah. Take um, Anomalisa. <laughs> now you try to remake that, but make it different, but better for a new generation. Like, in other words, remake it twenty twenty odd years, sure. no, almost thirty years later. Yeah. That doesn't strike me as ballsy. It that, strikes me as ballsy because I see a hundred percent, or not hundred percent, like ninety five percent chance that you're gonna fuck it up, no matter no, who you, you, you know are. What, you know what the the good example is is George Lucas with the prequels, which is taking the which the ballsy move is not remaking Star Wars and trying to go big. Now he fucks it up. That's the ballsy move. Yeah. But but he did something. You know, like this is the thing is is a Force Awakens makes me think about how ballsy the prequels are. Okay, I'll give you this. Yeah. Making the prequels in the way they are, are more ballsy than this movie. But the fact, even if you say, I want to remake slash remix Star Wars into this movie and make it for our generation. Like, mm-hmm. in order to, I just don't think it's easy to pull off fe- feeling the same, having the same story beats and still making me personally and a lot of people love it. I just don't see that as something that's that's doable by a lot of people. And I give J.J. No, no, Abrams... yeah, I, I agree. I give J.J. Abrams a lot of shit for sort of being the clone director. Yeah. But in this sense, I feel like it's kind of a strength because, look, if you're trying to please with the film, and maybe this isn't your view or anything, and I think it probably isn't, but if you're trying to please most of the people most of the time, this was the move to do if you can pull it off. And I, I hope, I hope in a weird way, I hope that the grand long long game here is that this it was set up this way in order to do the next film from ryan johnson and i i think that's what it is i hope that's what it is if it's not you'll hear me changing my tune right quick let's move on we've talked about star wars too much what's your number two mad max oh Mad Max is my number two. Well, that's weird. Yeah, I I, I adored Mad Max. I can't wait to th- do see what your number one is because I don't remember another film. <laughs> my uh, Mad Max, I think, is extraordinary. I think everything that we talked about with the Force Awakens, with Mission Impossible, with Jurassic World, Mad Max gets gets everything that those films gets wrong. Mad Max gets one hundred percent right. Um, it is thrilling. It's exciting. It. I, I'm not invested in this world of uh, the Mad Max universe, but I don't care. It's like Mad Max, do, you know, gives me so enough information to like go with. It. I think to me, Mad Max, even though it's the fourth film in a series, feels to me like what maybe seeing a New Hope felt like in 1977 or whatever. I'll agree with that. Yeah. You know, like it's just so such a such a bold film yet at the same time it's such a crowd pleaser as well it's so exciting and it just it 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 dances to the you know to the beat of its own drum was what i love about it the most it's such a odd universe um it's so good it's great well my number two is kung fury right (laughs) uh Almost sort of for similar reasons why you made Mad Max your number two is because you're absolutely right. This is a thing 
And we talked about it already, but it knows exactly what it is. It dances to its own fucking beat, and mm. that is the fucking living, breathing heart of the 80s. Yeah. Um, and it, ta- it, it, it revels in the ridiculous. His partner's named Triceracop, and he has a fucking Triceratops mm-hmm. head. He's got Hacker Man, yeah. uh, two Amazonian or Icelandic sort of uh, warrior yeah. women, the fucking actual Thor. Thor. No, Zeus, right? No, it's Thor. Oh, is it Thor? Yeah. yeah. And um, who else? They had a T-Rex help him out. And, uh, you know, and they fight Hitler. Like, come on. (laughs) And it it all works and it feels like it it works in its ridiculousness. So that was my number two. So why don't you say what your number one is? My number one was Mad Max. Yeah. Um, And that's I'll just say something about it real quick before we jump into your number one, because I'm very curious as to what it is. Um, I think Mad Max does something that no other film this year did. And that is taking. It is a film that can be enjoyed at the at the highest level and by the fucking lowest knuckle dragger like it's it's something <laughs> dear that, dear listener please please note we we don't often refer to you as knuckle draggers i don't i don't think honestly, i mean I, look this may be biased but i don't think any of our listeners are knuckle draggers uh but no but like you you know this look this is a film that will be a favorite of actual true film critics people mm. that are paid to do this yeah, it's it's appeared be, as number one on so be, many lists. It'll be appreciated and beloved by average moviegoers, and it'll be appreciated and loved by people who love Paul Blart Mall Cop. Yeah, like it's it's this weird, and it it what 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 it's so wonderful in it is it it can it can invoke enjoyment from all of these different people from all of these different reasons without sacrificing any bit of itself to any of them yeah and how do you fucking do that like you i'll tell you how i'll tell you how they do it is that they don't make the kind of calculation the way that you just talked about a force awakens which is that i don't think george George Miller is trying to please everyone. I think he's trying to make the best thing he can make. Sure. And, but that's why on my list, Star Wars is number three and this is number one. Yeah. Like it's just, it's, you just don't get to see it. And I think it comes from a solitary vision that happens to be great. Yeah. But he's not getting a ton of fucking in like, Mm-hmm. You know, there's not a trillion people breathing down his neck, and it was kind of the deal, I, I believe. With the dude is 72 years old. He, see, yeah, he's yeah. 71 now. I 71 think. now. He was yeah. 70 when he when it got released. Right. Yeah. Um. So it's just, you know, it's George a, Miller it's, don't give a fuck about anything except, except what, what George, George Miller gives, gives a fuck, fuck about. about. Uh, <laughs> he's a, he's a modern day Qui Gon Jinn. <laughs> yeah. Um. It's just it's it, it was something magic, and I'm very glad. I, it was one of those movies where I, I actually thought this after like the second time seeing it in the theater. I was like, man. I'm glad I'm alive when this came out and I can see it in a movie theater. Yeah. Like, cause I haven't had like Jurassic park. I'm glad now, but I didn't get to experience that. Like I didn't, as cause a I, cognizant was, viewer. I was like 11 or some yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, I just like, this is so awesome. Dinosaurs. But like now with a little bit more of a refined mental palette, uh, it, 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 it was really nice to sort of have that sort of, um, I don't know, highbrow enjoyment moment. I don't know. Oh, uh, it's, it's fantastic. It appears on, uh, so many top, top, uh, Top 10 list of the year for very what? good reason. What's your number one? <laughs> what do you think my number I one I have is? no fucking clue. <laughs> no clue. No clue at no all. No clue at all. My number one was The Gift. Really? Yeah, my number one was The Gift. I, I, um, 
Look, <laughs> I like it. You did good, sir. You played. You didn't talk much when I was talking about the gift. You did this whole thing. I thought you were just placating and trying to get through. Although now, upon re reflection, everyone other than that one, you told me exactly where it fell or how it didn't fall on your list. So yeah. I should have known something's <laughs> up. Continue. Why is the gift number one? For Look, you? the gift is the gift for me. Now, it's not the again the if if it's it the number one film we, we reviewed. reviewed. Yeah, there would be other films on the list, and the gift would probably a little bit low but I still the gift would sit very highly on on my actual top 10 list if I made one um, and the reason is the gift is compelling from frame one and I don't think I'd been in a film in such a long time where I was invested in what was going to happen um, and what people were thinking the entire way through you know like Mad Max is is amazing and bombastic and it gave me such a thrill ride and it was still you know while still you know not placating to me but the gift kind of like had me questioning what people were doing had me questioning what i believed about people had me questioning where this movie was going to go and and i think you know like the the reason we do this podcast is one is one thing i love talking about films is as a filmmaker is trying to figure out what it is I love about films, you know, like, cause I love so many different kinds of films. And one of the things I loved about this film is it, 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 it made me think about the kinds of films I like, which is that it's, it has, tr it has true three acts. It has, it has real three acts where act three changes everything we know about these, you know, what, what we, what happened in act one and two. Um, and it's, it's impeccably crafted. It's impeccably acted. I don't, I don't think I saw a false note in that movie when I watched it. I, and like, and the ending is like a shot to the hat, you know, like, and, and like when a movie kind of like ends and leaves me hanging, like gasping yeah. for air, I'm kind of, you know, like that's a, that's a really special thing. And, you know, I can think of a few, only a few films that have done that in my life. Um, I, you know, uh, Michael Haneke's The Piano Teacher is one of those great endings. And, and another film by, uh, these guys, Animal Kingdom is just, a the ending just, you know, like hits you in the face and walks out the door. Yeah. Um, the gift, you know, like Joel Edgerton, who would have thought this, I mean, I thought he's a fantastic actor right. for such a long time. He might go down the road of Charles Lawton, who only made one film in his career and it was amazing <laughs> right. and then went back to acting. I don't, you know, he strikes me as the kind of person who could do that. But I would be uh, very interested to see what he does next. Uh, but I think he, you know, he knocked it out the park. Yeah, no, one. I can't disagree with you on any particular point. Yeah. Uh, but Mad Max is better. <laughs> um, anyway, those are our top 10 uh, of the year that we reviewed. Uh, we want to move things right along because we don't want to make this too, too long. It's going to be a little longer than a normal episode, but not as long as a Star Wars episode. So we're <laughs> going to keep moving. Uh, so what we did, we prepared uh, three each, I believe, sort of like quick reviews. I thought of a fourth one just as we're talking, but I'll only just say its name. Let's just do, yeah, we'll yeah. do honorable mentions first. Um, but then, so here's what I want to do. Basically, we're going to have like a minute to a minute and a half to review these movies. Then, then the other person gets to do a one sentence rebuttal to it, and then we move on. We laugh and we move on. If we've seen the other person's movies. Oh, I I might still make one just in even oh, if I uh, don't. Are these, and are these the films that we didn't review? These, these are films we didn't review that we would have liked to get the chance to, but we never did. Right, right. So why don't you start? What are your honorable mentions before your first review? There's only one honorable sure. mention. Um, I just think it was, again, uh, wonderful, sustained storytelling. It was uh, Kumiko, the treasure hunter. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Did you see that? I heard about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about a woman who um, who watches uh, Fargo and believes that there's really a map out there. Yeah. Um, I just adored it. You know, right. like it's 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 beautiful. It's simple. It's it's great. Um, right, it would have made my. You know, I had a really good time with it. Good honorable mention. Let's yeah. move on to your first film you'd like to review that you didn't. Um, this is a film that actually came out last year, or maybe the may have even been the year. Do before. you know how year in <laughs> review shows work? But I watched it. Do you it, know how numbering systems and review shows for the year work? But I watched it this year. Oh. And I, it, it would be. Shahir loopholed. <laughs> it would be my favorite movie of the year, having watched it this year. And that's uh, uh, Asghar Fahadi's film, The Past, um, which. Uh, if uh, Asghar Farhadi won the uh, is an Iranian filmmaker and he won the uh, best uh, best foreign film Oscar I think two or three years ago with a film called A Separation. Um, I watched the this movie the past um, again. It was one of those ones I popped it in at like ten o'clock at night, thinking I'm gonna watch like twenty minutes of this and see where it goes. It has one of the greatest final shots I've ever seen in a film. Better than Rambo? <laughs> I don't remember what the final shot in Rambo <laughs> is. Walking away. Um, uh, it, uh, Asghar Fahadi as a writer um, is just probably, in my opinion, the great, like the, we are living in an era where the greatest screenwriter is walking amongst us and, and he is it. Um, and I, and I would, you know, the, other, the, the Charlie Kaufman would be in that list. And, uh, and the other person I'm thinking of is, uh, the man who wrote network who I've gone blank on right now. <laughs> but, All right. Well, there, there you go. That's, uh, that's Asgard, good. Uh, this film is about, uh, a, a, a divorced couple that, uh, that meet up in France, uh, to basically negotiate their divorce and settlement. Uh, but, but Asghar Fahadi writes drama like an action movie and like a mystery, um, so this this film like unveils so much about these characters as the film progresses without people talking about, you know, talking, oh, this happened to me and this happened to me. It, he just he does it in this way where it feels like an action movie. And again, this final shot in the past is just devastating, beautifully executed and will haunt me for the rest of my life. Wow. OK, well, I guess my only rebuttal is I was raised on a houseboat in Spain <laughs> and I don't know if that's more pretentious than what you just said. <laughs> but no, oh, oh, pretentious. I, to, <laughs> it's pretentious to love a film. No, okay, no, no. no, no just yeah. the way you spoke about it. No, but you're passionate about it. And I wish that's one of those things. I do wish like something like that. And maybe in the coming year when something like that hits you. Yeah. Let me know. And we'll do an actual show like an actual full hour on it because again if if one thing you showed me with pigeon was was like even if it's even if i like it when i can respect something if i don't enjoy it and right. i'm not saying i wouldn't even enjoy no, that no, you might i'm not. just saying it, yeah. it'd be interesting to try right so i think that'd be something good to 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 sort of do in the coming year too uh i'm gonna say okay so i'll just do two more quickly oh i was gonna we go back and forth Oh, we're gonna do, okay. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. So Sorry. my honorable mention, yeah, just so you have it, was Kingsman: The Secret Service, which I really actually enjoyed from right. a pure I've action movie standpoint. It. Yeah. It's fresh enough on the James Bond kick that is really enjoyable. If you like sort of cool action movies with kind of a, a neato twist, uh, I would suggest seeing it. Also, of course, this couldn't be a review show without me mentioning the Avengers: Age of Ultron. <laughs> you know how I stand on that. Wow, it's, I've forgotten that movie entirely. That's your problem. <laughs> uh, that movie, uh, as a as an example example of filmmaking from Joss Whedon and the the that is a that if you even if you can't respect it from a you don't like the story or you feel like Marvel movies are pittering out 
the pure force of will that Joss Whedon had dealing with all of the nonsense and thousands of hands tugging at him to make that film and actually have it come out and be as good as it is yeah. is mind blowing. So that's sort of what those I think. Are. I actually think I enjoyed the uh, that movie more than the first one. I can't say that. And um, and if it was if we had reviewed it, it might be higher on my list than The Force Awakens. Really? I think right. maybe. Yeah. I mean, it it is it is it, it is higher on my list uh, yeah. as well. But again, we didn't do it. So my first one is Creed. Uh, I am. This is a. Uh, this is. I have a list of films that I wish I'd seen. Yeah. And Creed is very high on that. So list. I'm not going to spoil anything. But something I've been I've been touting around. Uh, if I had a, a tagline or uh <laughs> or a box line sort of for this movie, it's this is how a franchise should age. Right. Yeah. It is sort of a remake, but yeah. it's done with new characters. This is what this is what I feel like what you were looking for in the Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. That you didn't get because I wasn't looking it. for anything in the Force Awakens. But no, no, but, but you yeah. know, you said you you didn't like it because you thought it was too safe and sort of with the same that like it it just it it, it relied on its pedigree too much. Yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> this film does a lot with its pedigree. Yeah, but makes a completely sort of different and new story with it, and still has characters from thirty years ago or whatever right. the fuck it was, and just sort of like makes it feel like an actual passage of time and not a rehash. Right. And uh, the, every performance, Sly uh, uh, and, and uh, Michael B. Jordan, uh, yeah, Teresa, uh, uh, Tessa Thompson, uh, uh, they're fucking phenomenal in it. And it's it's interesting, too, because, you know, you, you get so tied with Philly in the Rocky movies. Yeah. Uh, it's a whole new sort of side to it now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's really fucking cool to see for me. And I, I do really think Sly Stallone still fucking has it in certain roles. Look, whatever whatever Sly Stallone has done later in his career, you can never knock the man for him, the man who made Rocky. You know, like that the Rocky as much as some people, you know, like talk about how it shouldn't have won Best Picture, I think it beat Taxi Driver that year. Um I think it should beat Taxi Driver. Really? I do. I, do. Yeah. I think okay. I think the first Rocky is something that is, it was something that hadn't been seen before by right. major motion picture standards. And the story, I, I remember, like the move, the story of how Sylvester Stallone made Rocky, I think, could be a movie unto Great. itself, and it should be eventually. Yeah. Um, uh, so, and we should have that movie, and maybe not how he made Over the Top. Right. Um, yeah. So that's I don't know. It's Creed, go see it. I I really I'm dying to I'm see. I'm speaking that. to you. Go see it. Yeah, I'm dying to see it. Uh, I don't think it's I don't think it's playing in the movie theaters anymore. I know. Um, mini, mini number, mini review number two. Shahir, go. Spotlight. I think Spotlight. I did not see Spotlight. Uh, Spotlight is uh, superb. Uh, it's it's a very uncinematic film. It's very dryly made. It's very much about people in rooms having conversations uh, about a very very difficult topic. But it it does. Uh, like one of my favorite movies of all time is The Insider and and the ins- and JFK, for example. It's films that deal with an issue through drama, um, without you know without like um, grandstanding. Sure, it just it just lays out all this information and it's compelling at every turn. Um, and then you know, like for me, this other interesting thing about it is is it has. Uh, three actors that have been in major superhero movies, and I think they're doing the bit. You know, like I think the reason they do superhero movies is so they could do a film like this, which is really meaty. Like this film, uh, and I'm talking about. Uh, it has. Um, oh, I've forgotten his name. Ray Donovan, who plays uh, Sabretooth in the X Men movie. 
Um, I wouldn't call him a staple of superhero. No, movies. but he, you know, he has done a superhero movie before. It's got Michael Keaton from Batman many years ago. But the best thing about this movie is Mark Ruffalo, the Hulk. And he, he, this movie reminds me why Mark Ruffalo is a great actor. Um, you know, and this is the the thing that always Mark said. Ruffalo. Sorry to interrupt. Mm. Mark Ruffalo also has a very sort of socially conscious, excellent Twitter feed. If you yeah. don't follow Mark Ruffalo, follow Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, and and I feel like you when you watch him in this film. I feel like this is the kind of film I wish he was doing all the time. You know, like he's just, he's so good in this and his body, he, he's using every muscle in his body as an actor and, and doing it so well. And he's not the main, he's not the lead in the film and he has a big scene in the movie, but it's just, uh, and, and uh, this film just tackles this issue without sensationalizing. I love good films about journalism. It's great. All right. And if you want to see Mark Ruffalo in the future use every muscle in his body, go see Thor Ragnarok coming out in about two years. Uh, and I, I'm not kidding. He's going to be in it. He's going to be fucking awesome. Shut up, Shahir. Uh, my next movie is, uh, again, a little bit following. It, it's actually, it's funny. Uh, as much as I loved Age of Ultron, one thing I did feel fell a little flat, and I you know it's mm. because it was getting pulled a lot of different ways, was how Ultron himself was handled. He was set up very coolly, and then mm. I feel like they squandered him. A film that did not, mm. a film that did not squander the potential of AI is Ex Machina. Uh, that was. <laughs> High five. That was my next movie that I was going to mention. Uh, was we it really? Yeah, we hey, finally, we finally we got it. in sync. We did it. Um, uh, it only took an hour. Ex Machina um, might be, it, it might have been my favorite movie of the year. Well, let's <laughs> talk about, so so obviously it's cool looking. And the, the, the sort of sense of uneasiness and just sort of oddity was mm. phenomenal. Like you felt like you were there in this sort of compound of this genius doing kind of a mad scientist's work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the ending, it's interesting, I don't want to spoil it. It's what I expected, yeah. but I also didn't care that I expected it. And it's that, so satisfying. And that is, yeah, you're absolutely right. And that is something that is amazing when I think a filmmaker pulls off is yeah. when I know the ending, but it's still phenomenal to experience. Yeah. And uh, and my last sort of point about it, because we do have to keep these quick, and then you can talk about it because it's also yours, uh, Oscar Isaac, man. Oh, dude, this guy, this fucking guy, this is, you know, this is the saving, like in the force awakens for me when he was on it, I was like, oh man, this guy, what's cool about him is he, he's such a great character actor in Ex Machina. And then he's such a movie star. In he's the a force pure, no, he's movie star everywhere. Mm. Like, and it's good. That's a good thing. Mm. A movie star to me is someone that can transcend in different mm. roles. Johnny Depp, and I know he's sort of fallen off, mm. you know, it, people don't like sort of the things he's done lately. And I kind of do, depending on what we're talking about. Yeah. But like. You're a Mordecai fan? No. <laughs> uh, I love Mordecai. No. Uh, but like. He back in the day and is a movie he star. can do Jack Sparrow and he can do fucking super serious shit. He yeah. can do he can do everything when he has the chance to do it. Yeah. And I feel like Oscar Isaac is going to be one of those people that can have it all in that sense. Uh, he's great. Nick's Machina. If you can, please watch Show Me a Hero on HBO with Oscar Isaacs in the lead. Um uh, produced by David Simon of the Wire fame, frame, uh, fame. It's an amazing show, and Oscar. Has, oh God, this he's had guy. a great year. He's had a great year, he, and he's just he's doing a most violent year, if you will. You know, the funny thing that I that the the thing that Oscar Isaacs is, um, I loved. I was kind of like weirded out by the movie Inside Lewin Davis. Mm -hmm. um, did you see that the Coen no. Brothers film nope. with Oscar Isaacs in the lead? Yep. 
uh, about a folk singer in the Lower East Side, and Oscar Isaac plays him and sings all the songs in. The well, film. he can sing like we, he sang at the end of our podcast, and he's he's a beautiful <laughs> singer, and and I'm like, uh, it's one of my the I have a son now, a little baby, and it's one of my favorite things is to sing along with Oscar Isaacs to my child. Wow. Uh, he's he's that good a singer. So Oscar, if you're ever in Queens, you should probably <laughs> yeah. stop by and just sing to Shahir's kid because he'll be familiar with his work. Yeah, uh, man crush, total man crush on Oscar yeah. Isaacs. No, he's, he's so. Fucking, he's just you're absolutely but but right. ex, but but to me ex machina is just a, a testament of beautiful writing uh, uh a, you know beautiful screenwriting that explores uh a complex idea through great writing and through dramatic structure and you know? through emotion i think too i think yeah. it, it portrays emotion and sort of gets these complex things and boils them down to sort of why people do things i don't know it's very it's very smart and fun Oh yeah, and now that ending is so great. That's yeah. that's <laughs> Ex Machina. You know, again, that's a film just got me so. When I watched, it, I was just so excited yeah. by it. You yeah. Know? Well, my last film because we you're on your you did your three right? We did three from you. Uh, yeah, we did three. Because uh, it was yeah, we doubled yeah, up on yeah, Ex yeah. Machina. My last one uh, is I don't know if you saw this movie, but if you want to talk about movie stars <laughs> and you want to talk about what a fucking movie star is, <laughs> I want to talk about the film Youth. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Youth. I have said this to Sheer in the past, but Youth is a film uh, starring Michael Caine, Harvey Keitel, uh, Rachel Wise, Paul uh, Dano, and um, I, uh, Jane Fonda. Right. And uh, uh, only never... one of those people has Youth. <laughs> uh, no, two. Two. Paul, Paul Dano is. Oh, Paul Dano yeah. and Rachel Wise. Yeah, yeah Rachel Wise too. Um, but I saw a screening of this with most of them in tow, and I, it's funny when I was questioning about Hateful Eight if. Uh, if it was because Quentin Tarantino was there, I can I can purely tell you that Youth I can honestly say is my favorite non-action film of the year. Right. Um, w- whether or not they were in attendance, uh, it is, it is, it's a brilliant portrayal of aging that anyone can relate to, and that's a hard topic to sort of get not only to to give like the emotional weight of it, but make it entertaining in doing so. Uh, the cinematography, Shahir, you would <laughs> blow your uh, proverbial or possibly real load all over this movie. It is gorgeous. Oh well, I mean, the director Paolo Sarantino is the uh, is part of that the new wave of, of Italian filmmakers coming through. Yeah. And he's oh yeah. Uh, the it, great it, beauty is amazing. Uh, cinematography locations again were beautiful. Uh, and it's funny because you have all these heavy hitters. You have fucking Michael Caine mm. and 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 uh, fucking Harvey Keitel, and here comes Paul Dano. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, he stole the show, and, and there will be blood as well. I know, but like, he did, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm just impressed with people that can hold their own and not steal, like, not stealing the show. Uh, when I say something like that, is something like you could actually take it in a negative standpoint. Yeah. But this guy just fucking rides the same level as them, and it was so impressive to see. And I was very interested in what his character was doing, even though his character was kind of tertiary, still important to the plot. Right. But uh, it, it, it was just, it was a sort of a flip side of things that I really enjoyed. You know seeing. who he reminds me of a little bit is I'd imagine a young Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. You know, like he kind of feels like that. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, this was just a movie that, that anyone, any, I, I do. I, I, if you just like blow them up, stupid movies, go see this and you'll have an, a new favorite type of movie. Like mm. it's, it's that good. Right. And uh, it's another one. I wish we had the time to, uh, to actually see and review. Well, maybe we will this year. I think, I think we should make a commitment to each other. Let's make a, a pinky swear, a commitment ring. Ugh. Let's hold hands right now. If we can, um, to like, to, you know, like if a film like that gets you excited and you've talked about this film a lot and, and because you've talked about it, I really want to see it. Right. 
Um, and, and I may not have actually, it may not have actually been on my radar of films to to watch. It's so funny. It, <laughs> it, it wasn't on mine, and I randomly got the invite from from the missus for the screening, and it was. And I'm a huge Michael Caine fan. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. It was just. It was. It's a powerful movie, and I suggest people see. So I want to just do, uh, and I'm just going to read these out because uh, we're about to get into an e- our email feedback now as well. But these Ooh. are films that we that I wished I'd seen this year but didn't see. So if you're a listener and you had seen these films, please write us in and tell us what you thought about them. Without any spoilers, I know we spoil things for you, but don't spoil them for us. Yeah, don't be a dick like we are. <laughs> um, but there are a couple of them are things that you've mentioned already. These aren't in any particular order. Youth, I really want to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, I is that out right now? I don't even know. Youth might still be in theaters because it came out in December. Creed, I really wanted to see in the yep. theater. Uh, Victoria, the Canadian, I believe it's a Canadian single take heist movie okay. um, that I think would be a great experience to see in a theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, Room, the Alison Brie um, uh, film. I've I, heard wonderful things about that. Wonderful things and about that. And I love Alison Brie. Yeah. Uh, Carol, I really want to see. Big Todd Haynes fan. Uh, the Revenant. I yeah. <laughs> there's I a film with Leonardo DiCaprio coming out. You know, one of possibly one of the biggest movie stars in the world. Yeah, and I haven't gone to see it. Uh, but it looked, you know, like I I did see the initial trailer for that film, and I was like, ooh, it gave me chills. <laughs> um, uh, Son of Saul. Uh, the 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 Holocaust film, yep. the Israeli Holocaust film. I've heard uh, just amazing things about. And the movie I'm most saddened that I didn't see in a theater. Uh, because I think it would have just been an incredible experience, is The Tribe, uh, which I believe... Oh, yeah, you talked about it. I, I, I'm i not sure which country it's from. I'm going to say Eastern European of some description, but a film uh, where the only communication is in sign language and the film has no subtitles. Um, I, 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 the trailer, again, just gave me the chills. I heard so many, so many good things about yeah, this film. Yeah. Wish I'd gone to see it. Hopefully and, we'll see it. And here I thought Pixels was going to top that list. For oh, you. yeah. Pixels was on my, man, I'm disappointed. So Paul Blartmore. Yeah. 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 Uh, all right. So good. So let's, um, before we talk about trends and what we're looking forward to, let's get into some of our lovely listener emails. You have them all in front of you. Do you not? I do. Again, we want to thank everyone that listened, uh, in and, and, and took the time to email us. Remember, you can email us at onlymoviepodcast at gmail. We will try to read uh, emails that come to us. And it's funny. We're going to try to. We're going to implement this as moving forward near the end of the show. We're going to, you know, we're going to wrap up a review a little early. And if there's emails, we're going to we're going to read them and sort of discuss what you guys are discussing with us. Kind of keep the conversation open. And it's funny because for I'd say the first two thirds of this podcast, <laughs> we were berating you and slapping you in the proverbial face with free movie tickets to email us. And now we're not doing any of that, <laughs> and you guys still want to talk. So I. I I feel I feel very thankful for that. So here, yeah. let's listen to some now experts. a few of these are people we know as well. But I don't who, give a fuck. <laughs> we haven't heard from them in a while, and a lot of these relate to Star Wars. A few of these are people I've never met or heard of. So yeah, it's we've great got a few of those as well. Takes all kinds. Uh, first one comes in from Stephen Priss, a cameraman in TV and Z, director, editor himself. Uh, I've actually worked with uh, Stephen Priss a while back, so Ooh. he's been listening to the podcast. Um, he wrote us a lovely email, uh, basically saying, "Nice podcast, but you guys forgot to import- to mention one important star- part of the Star Wars." universe the star wars holiday special and he writes this <laughs> uh, fantastic email about 
um, you know, seeing Star Wars, uh, the Star Wars trailers for the first time and like getting hooked into the buzz of it. And then he, he writes, I was hooked and the buzz and the hype are almost immediately of the Star Wars universe. And I wanted to see everything about behind the scenes and docos. And then what almost instantly killed the whole buzz for me with the star was the Star Wars holiday special. It was such a kick in the nuts that I wasn't expecting much for Empire. Phantom Menace proved to me that the shitty holiday special wasn't a fluke. And coming out of Attack of the Clones, a guy in front of me said, well, that didn't suck as much as I thought it would. And I thought, is this the standard? I can't do this anymore. To him, the Star Wars specials were so bad that he just gave up well, on Star Wars. there's that in Battle for Endor, right? There's yeah, the and Car- Caravan of Courage. Right. Uh, um, um, Steven, I'll just say one thing because I haven't watched the Star Wars special, but uh, even though we're the only podcast about movies, please listen to How Did This Get Made, uh, Paul Shear's uh, podcast, where they do uh, an entire episode devoted to the Star Wars special. And I was listening to some of that on the way here, and I hear there's a softcore porn scene in the Star Wars spe- uh, holiday special. I don't remember. I saw it when I was too young. Yeah, there's a Wookiee watching softcore porn on a on a monitor, apparently. Check it out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting pitch. Uh, All right, what else we got? Who else emailed us? Now, this is a tricky one because uh, Ivan's talking very specifically here, but Ivan Kanda wrote us an email. If you remember, Ivan was on the podcast uh, talking to us about Star Wars Episode 3. We're sorry, Ivan, that you had to listen to that. I'm not sorry. You did great. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. We're sorry Cheers. that we made you watch that movie. Please, I'm not. Um, so I'm going to just take a pause here for everyone. We're going to reveal a major spoiler from The Force Awakens here. If you have not seen The Force Awakens, please skip forward by about two minutes from here on in. Cause I'm going to time you. Because we're going to give you a, a big a big spoiler here. Uh, Ivan Kanda from Short of the Week and uh, Lucky Nine Studios says, For the most part, I agree with Shahir. <clears throat> In regards to his up. criticisms of the film, I hate how every major movie now just feels like a setup for another movie. I'm a big fan of three-act structure, and as much as I appreciate that this is the golden age of television and franchises, serializing everything is sort of killing the satisfaction of a contained cinematic experience. But what Ivan really wanted to talk to us about was something that we talked about in that episode, which was what did Han's death mean to the film? Right. Now, if you remember from the episode, I said that I didn't think Han's death mattered that much to the overall context of the film. And you um, thought that it, it had to do with Kylo Ren's journey. Sure. I think it's because I have a soul, but continue. <laughs> well, um, uh, ha- Ivan writes a really good point, and I actually agree with him completely on this. Han's death is very important to Ray's character. It's sort of the thing that gives her even more reason to summon her courage and duel with Kylo at the end. It makes for a solid bit of revenge and audience satisfaction as she takes on the man who just killed her surrogate father figure. But beyond that, it pushes her back to the lightsaber that she rejected earlier in the film and thus forces her to become an active player and fulfill her destiny to become the next Jedi. That's huge from a character and plot perspective. Ivan, I wish uh, somehow through telekinesis you had you had made that point while we were discussing it. I completely agree. With I you. agree as well, but I think that also, I think that's 100% true, but I also stand by what I said too. <laughs> it can be both. Uh, thanks, Ivan. Thank for, you, Ivan. For, actually, thank you, Ivan, for, for giving us an, uh, a cool new way to look at it and, and a very uh, agreeable way to look at it. Yeah, uh, I think it's something that we both agree on. We yeah. do. Uh, 
you know, but if you agree with Shahir, yeah, go fuck yourself. Uh, Sam Kelly, who is a filmmaker in New Zealand, I urge everyone, if you can, look up Sam Kelly's film Lambs. It's extraordinary. He's a great filmmaker, good friend of mine. What up, Sam? Uh, Sam Kelly writes in uh, about The Force Awakens. Uh, uh, he wrote directly to me because, again, we've known each other for a long time. So he says, I agree with your take on it. It was a lack of originality and unique personality that bothered me the most. I think the filmmakers were approaching The Force Awakens as a corrective measure, trying to get the universe back on track after a ter- after the terrible prequels by focusing on what made the original trilogy great. I think you would argue, uh, this is a break from Sam's uh, email, I think you would argue that's what made the film great for you, uh, Matt. Yes. The focus, uh, this is back to Sam's email, the focus led to a form of mimicry that left a bad taste in my mouth. Uh, he goes on to give, he, I think it was like a two-page email which listed everything that he thought was similar in a bad way to uh, A New Hope. Uh, and I'll just read one of them, which was that three of the last four Star Wars episodes have been about based on blowing up the Death Star. I mean, come on. I've already seen the original trilogy. Now I'm looking for well, something. There's only that's- been three Death Stars. <laughs> Is it three of the four less? There's yeah, so there's there's a Death Star in New Hope. There's a Death Star in Return of the Jedi, and then there's this Star Killer planet. Or so whatever. three of the last four Star Wars movies have been with oh, a Death touche. Star. Yeah, touche. Yeah. Uh, about blowing up a Death Star. Uh, Sam concludes with, I've already seen the original trilogy. Now I'm looking for something that takes it further, not the same again. Something interesting, unique with a personality. Hopefully that'll be the next episode. Um, I, I know, agree and with this Sam. mirrors what you're saying, and I, and I, I, I respect Sam as a human being. <laughs> uh, and actually, a couple things in there I, I do agree with, but I will, I, I will retort with this. So, uh, Shahir, does your family, uh, your <laughs> hey. mother, or father, or whatever, have like recipes, like family recipes? Uh, yes, they do. Okay, so what's your what's a family recipe of yours? Well, here's the thing: eating the, a meal. No, 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 just let's continue <laughs> you, the you analogy. You need to eat. You don't need to go to the movies every day. This is where your analogy no, no, falls apart not. immediately. No, it oh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> would you would you would you be able to survive? Me- I mean, mentally, I'd be as happy and adept as you would if you could not see movies anymore. But you don't need like family recipes are different you, because yeah, you, you need, need to, to eat. You need sustenance, you but you don't need it to taste good. <laughs> let's keep talking. What's your family recipe? Oh God, my mother. Mother's lamb curry. Lamb a, curry. Yeah. Okay. So your mother's lamb curry is delicious, is it not? Her, yeah, sure. Okay. There's, a, there's a million dishes my mother makes. Great, but delicious. let's just focus yeah. on the lamb curry. <laughs> yeah. And hello to Shahir's mother. Yeah. Um, every time she makes it, does it taste exactly the same or does she ever sort of experiment with it a little bit? She experiments with it a little right. bit. Right. And sometimes. is it still delicious? It's occasionally not. Of course. And occasionally, here's the thing. You could get tired of lamb curry if you had to have it every time you were. If good, you were, good thing in this scenario you didn't have it for thirty years. <laughs> so what I'm saying, but I is, did have. Oh, there's only four instances of like Star Wars in the last thirty. No, there's there's seven. So, so better to my point. There's only so many, so you really can't get sick of it. My point is, <laughs> my point is experimentation, slight, slight experimentation. And reduxing of things you love can be good. We need to move on to another email here. And we're going to be in, st- <laughs> still in the Star Wars universe Great. for a little while. Uh, Will Evett uh, wrote to us recently. Hi, Will. Uh, uh, Will wrote, uh, 
It made me cringe a little bit when you were digging into the prequels for having too many callbacks to the original. Hmm. I can't wait to see how you handle The Force Awakens. Hopefully, Will, you've seen The Force Awakens by now, and hopefully you've listened to our review. Anywho, just letting you know that I agree that the prequels are lame, but I actually think that the story that is hidden away in there is much better than the original. Ah, a it's, Jess Tucker follower. Yeah, it's just fucked up on screen. <laughs> like, like, imagine Lucas chose to show all the wrong things. I recently started watching The Clone Wars on Netflix because Force Awakens reignited my mega bedsheet having fandom from when I was a kid. Yeah, boy. And honestly, everything that happens in that series makes the whole world of the originals seem a bit dull and small by comparison. Also, Matt, I agree that General Grievous was awesome. Yeah. He didn't really get his dues in Revenge of the Sith. Again, part of that whole great story, terrible execution thing. Finally, he ends with... P.S. Webster's Dictionary defines Viceroy as <laughs> <laughs> the governor of a country or province who rules in the name of the sovereign with regal authority as the king's substitute. So Viceroy in the films was... Uh, uh, he was he was sort of... Actually, it kind of makes sense because he was in the Trade Federation, so maybe he was the person sort of in charge of the Trade Federation while the king or the emperor was away. Yeah, it's a, again. Thank you, um, thank you, Will. That's a that's a reminds us of uh, just Tucker's contribution to the podcast yeah. this year, uh, and I agree with you as well. I think um, uh, the Force Awakens to me kind of rem- and I, I believe I mentioned this when we when we did the prequels is that the ambition of the prequels was startling and was. Um, to me, one of the, the great factors about the prequels. Now, I don't think the prequels are good movies. I'm never going to be an apologist for the prequels. But uh, I agree with you. I agree with you wholeheartedly, yeah. Will. Yeah. And I think The Force Awakens reinforces your point somewhat. Next email. Josh Krasowski. Now, uh, I, I have met Josh once, a, once or twice. Uh, we know each other very, Hello, Josh. very briefly. Um, but he's going to talk about The Hateful Eight. And spoiler for The Hateful Eight, if you recall. So just move forward a little bit here if you haven't seen <laughs> The Hateful Eight yet. <laughs> uh, uh, we, we got into, a, I think, a pretty interesting discussion about the politics of Daisy's character. Sure. Um, who is seen as the big bad at the end of the film. Um, and I think Josh um, articulates something that I was thinking. He says... The violence towards Daisy seems a little much to me, and I couldn't figure out why until I was listening to your review. And you're welcome, Josh. Uh, She wasn't the main bad person, bad guy in the film. Channing Tatum's character, Jody, was. This is probably why her hanging at the end feels a bit misogynistic to me after all the countless beatings she received. The film does a great job of visually demonizing her, Russell and Tatum's blood, but I kept waiting for an explanation of why she was so bad. Um, and I think that's a problem that the film has, you know, for me anyway, is that the film doesn't, doesn't deal with her character other than in a sort of cartoonish way, um, which I thought was problematic. I, I don't know. I, you were, you sort of saw the point, but yeah, I don't think it bothered it you that much. It didn't bother me, but everyone, including, you know, this email, uh, and you and a bunch of other people I've talked to, it bothered a lot more. So I want to kind of, again, when I watch it again, I want to kind of watch it with that sort of. Perhaps just like me, just perhaps because, you know, like me who doesn't enjoy fun, you just uh, don't enjoy women. Uh, Moving on. Steve Bua from Animal uh, Writes uh, from Same Night Movie Review. Steve Steve writes, Dear Shahir, stop being a dick. (laughs) Um, Thank you for being on the show and being really an instigator for 
for getting us to talk about movies. It's through his website that uh, that Matt and I probably started talking about movies a little bit. And then the show that Matt and Steve have together, Same Night Movie Review, which is uh, oh going to come God. back in some way it or will. form. We're going we're gonna to be doing we're gonna be doing a video sh- uh, series uh, called Shot for Shot, and I'll let you know when that happens. Um, but the the Steve and I, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, Same Night Movie Review used to be a thing we did when we were young. <laughs> We'd go to the movies, and then the same night, we would write, shoot, and edit a video review in the style of the film that we just saw. Holy shit, I'm exhausted listening to and it. And <laughs> first film we did was uh, a little movie and I'm trying to oh it's not Underworld that was a movie I didn't mind it was um, fuck uh, Mila Jolovich vampire movie awful Underworld. awful <laughs> awful no not Risen and Evil no uh, wow I'm blanking ultraviolet I knew it was uh, a, right, a, a right, you right. word yeah. wow it's been a long time yeah. we were I, we, I, I got home and I was so fucking angry at it I was like I started drinking hard <laughs> And then we just ranted and did this crazy thing. You can still find all this stuff. If you search same night movie review, yeah. ultraviolet, you will see a young me scream <laughs> about a film for four minutes. This is before we did it in the theme of the movie. We started if you, if you haven't that. had enough about Matt, if you haven't no. had enough Matt screaming about movies. But no, the most popular thing I've done on YouTube, I think it still gets two or three hits a day, which is weird because it's from like nine years ago, <laughs> is our, our Silent Hill review. The oh, really? film Silent Hill. We did it in the same theme. Anyway, I'm sorry to de- derail from Steve saying, but Steve and I have been talking about movies since college. So, so Steve wrote in about Anomalisa, uh, Anomalisa. I'm you know, gonna... for one of your favorite movies, <laughs> yeah, I still can't pronounce it. Probably. No, um, and I saved this one uh, for last because I think it's a good uh, question mark here. But uh, Steve writes, just a thought and question: Will Anomalisa make me just want to give up on any kind of screenwriting career whatsoever? Outside of the profound sense of catharsis that I get at the end of every Kaufman film, there is also a sense of why even bother? Because the fuck, because of the fucking of the story structure and everything in the films makes me just want to give up. Do you guys ever feel the same? Uh, I'm not quite. Fo- you de- decode this, actually, Steve. I'm not quite following. I think what he's saying is he enjoyed it. Uh, and Steve, you can email us again if, you, if I'm misinterpreting. <laughs> Dear this. Shahir, you got it wrong. And Matt, you should know me better. <laughs> is, is what he's saying is that at the end of every Kaufman film, like at the end of being John Malkovich, you watch that and you go, well, I'm not going to try screenwriting because nothing I'm going to make is ever going to be as good as, as that. As good? Oh. I think that's what Steve is trying to get at. And, and I'm going to put on my filmmaker hat here and and talk about kind of maybe why we do this podcast a little bit you sure. know, again that question of it helps me think about the kinds of films i like and and one of my biggest fears is that i'm you know like i'll make a film one day that some other people will review and talk about in the way that i've talked about other films you know like oh well it was good but he didn't really think about this you know because making films is hard so i you know again we extend the love out to all filmmakers that make something yeah but my my point there is i kind of think about the way you look at a at your idols as a logarithmic curve sure which is that it is a it is a curve for ever approaching a certain point, and that is your that point is your idols, your idols level of quality, and you will never reach that no, level of quality, no. but you will perpetually get closer to it. And here's the thing, you might one day become somebody else's idol who will strive to be as good as you are. So, yes, I watched uh, anomaly. I watched Being John Malkovich uh, and Eternal Sunshine, and think. I will never write anything that good. And if I wrote anything half as good as that, I could probably give up being a filmmaker. Um, but at the same time, you know, like you, the more you write and the more you make things, 
the better you get at it. And the more you might make something that's nothing like your idols have made and something completely different and something that someone else will watch and be inspired by. No, and those are all those are all good points and I and I understand it. Steve, I think um I think on my end I I don't think I create things this is going to sound weird and and I'm I might border on Shahir country of pretentiousness. <laughs> but uh it's not just yours, it can be all of ours. Uh I don't make things because I want because I expect people to let's call it that I don't make things because I expect people to re- it to resonate with people I guess mm-hmm. so like to, to to say the sentence like oh I'll never make something as good as this thing mm-hmm. like yeah I can say with a straight face and totally believable I'll never write something as good as Joss Whedon writes things mm-hmm. but like at the same time it doesn't matter to me that I won't because right writing and creating for me is more of a personal cathartic sort of thing. And obviously I want people to like it and I want the most people to see it, but I never, I never watch a film that I love or I never like, you know, finish watching Buffy and angel for instance, for me, which I think writing wise, Holy fuck. I know it Mm. sounds silly, but Joss Whedon Mm. did something truly special there. Firefly, even the Avengers, like he's just, in my eyes, he has a certain way about him that is unbeatable. Um, he or, but just because i'm not going to do that doesn't mean what i make will have any less impact on myself if that sort of makes any weird yeah, sense yeah and I, and i think another way of putting that that i think is interesting is that no matter what you make you're contributing to the art form for which we all benefit so so it doesn't matter if you don't think it's good enough you're still part and parcel of you know you're being part of this art form which is beautiful that we that is such a joy to all of us and and you know like again i extend that out to everybody that made a film even if we didn't like it i you know i didn't like the entourage movie but someone contributed to the art form I use the word art very loosely when I use, when I speak about entourage. I want that to be on the box again. <laughs> but someone so contri- many pull quotes. <laughs> someone contributed to the art form in some capacity, and we all benefit from that in some way. I think what we're really trying to say is uh, so. Kind of the coming year, the next films we'll do is Shahir will review my film that I made mm. in. Uh, I want to say the end of two thousand four is when I finished it. No, two thousand three called Skulls Across New York. Mm. And Shahir, if you could mm. just get me something that you shot when you were sixteen, like I did with that one, then we'll yeah. just review each other's movies and then we'll talk about art forms, <laughs> right? <laughs> and just remember, it's not a competition. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, I think you and I made very different movies. Um, no, so that is that the last email. That's it. That, okay. Thank you very much again. Thanks, everybody. Only movie podcast at Gmail. Write us in or Twitter at Only Movie Pod. No, please do. And it's nice. It's nice hearing from you guys. Uh, and and uh, we didn't hear from any gals, but they. It, but, yeah. Please feel free to write in as well because. And- we, we need- want the conversation to, yeah. to to flow both ways. We want you know like Ivan's email. We want people to change our minds about something. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, let's just. We don't have much time left. I wanted to kind of kick this uh, around now, but let's talk a little bit about trends we saw this year, and then uh, go straight into what we're expecting for 2016. Uh, I'm hoping. Uh, you know, look, it, we're never going to get away from the big tentpole films. I'm hoping. I, I one thing I was disappointed by was that there weren't more films like Mad Max Fury Road 
you know, as far as trends go. But then I think there was just such gems in the middle of it, um, like Ex Machina. Well, here's here's sort of let, let me just go down my list of these and we can we can talk about them. Yeah. Uh, like after I list the trends, sure, we can just talk ahead. about whatever's interesting for a couple <laughs> minutes. So one big trend, obviously, is franchising. I mean, yeah. with Star Wars and the new Marvel movies or the current Marvel movies, franchising is becoming bigger than ever. Even Mad Max is getting two more. Yeah. So like there, it, 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 I know it's been for the last couple of years, but like it's really kicking into full swing. Like if you don't have a trilogy of films, look at the Hunger Games, look at the fucking Maze Runner, look at anything like this shit. <laughs> if you don't make three movies, you're not making a movie. And I don't agree with it. I don't like it in all circumstances. I know yeah. you have a huge problem with it in some cases. I just have a huge problem with it when you're not making one good movie. You're trying to make you sure, know. and that I think you could look at the Hobbit. Yeah. I think the Hobbit would have been a great. A, Single beautiful movie. single movie yeah uh so a lot of franchising um lots of spies this year <laughs> lots of spies kingsman man from uncle specter mi5 taken three they all and they even got their own bridge bridge, bridge of spies. spies like there's a lot of spy films more this year it seemed than in the last couple um i don't know why i mean we always, i have no empirical data to, to we compare. always see like you know it's dante's uh peak it, and, and and volcano yeah. like that sort of shit like it's like the uh armageddon and, armageddon uh, and, and uh, uh contact no uh, 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 uh yeah. whatever that comet movie was yeah <laughs> um so yeah we, we've been seeing a lot of that uh I know you're going to disagree with this, but Marvel shaking things up as much as they can. And by that, I mean, you have your giant tentpole of Ultron, which I know has to, has to get their fingers in a lot of different pies to keep the old train running. And I personally don't mind that. I know you don't like it. I'm talking about Ant-Man. Oh, I was I was thinking more about Daredevil and Jessica Jones. And I that, think, that too. Yeah, I think uh, those are the more exciting things. Sure, Ant Man I like because it's a different feeling Marvel movie to me. It, it's it's a I didn't I didn't see it. It's a heist movie, and that's really nice to see. But you're absolutely right, Daredevil and Jessica Jones. And I'll even I they're not as artful, but mm. I'll even throw in uh, Agents of Shield and Peggy Carter. Right. Yeah. Uh, Marvel Television is doing some phenomenal shit, and it, they're doing phenomenal shit with what the Marvel universe, the comic universe would consider the leftovers. Right. And, uh, shield took some shaky ground to get moving. And it's because of that had to stay in contact with the movies. Daredevil and Jessica Jones don't have to worry about that. And they just sort of like play off of tiny moments. They yeah. only mention like the battle of New York once or twice. And it's nice. Like it, they, that's what it should feel like. And I think tele that's sort of the Marvel television is sort of figuring that out. Yeah. Peggy Carter, the character is all over. She's an Ant-Man, she's an Avengers, she's an mm -hmm. Avengers 2, she's in Captain America, and she has her own series set in her own time with Tony's or uh, Anthony Stark's uh, butler. Okay. Jarvis. Anyway, doesn't matter. Uh, I think Marvel's doing some smart stuff uh, and shaking it up where they can. Uh, the remakewal is king. Uh, yeah, the the redoing thing. I think, uh, again, Matt Singer uh, uh, over at Screen Crush, uh, he, he coined the phrase the legacy quell, which is, ah! uh, you know, basically... We're taking the franchise and doing a legacy transfer of it, you know, like Creed, where we you see the old actors handing yeah, it Star over. Star Wars, Jurassic Park, yeah, or Jurassic World, Creed, Mad Max, even Spectre, yeah, Terminator, which isn't good. Oh, like the yeah, other ones are. yeah. Uh, you know, I, you know what's funny? We we're talking about movies that we remember and we think forgot about. completely about well, Terminator. No, 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 but like Terminator, I do think back to moments of it. 
Really? And it's not that I think it's great or good. Like, I just, I think I really love that universe so much. That, yeah, like, I like I, that universe more than the Star Wars I, universe. I, I, can, I can take moments of it that I really like and sort of remember them fondly. Like It I, started so strong, that it movie. It really did. The first third of that movie is kind of great. Yeah. Um, but it, 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 as quickly as it starts is as I quickly know, as I it know. falls over. So, yeah, the, the remake will, or what was the term you used? The uh, legacy quill. Legacy quill. Uh, yeah, that's King. Matt Singer's phrase. I don't think it's going anywhere. Uh, yeah. Any other trends you noticed, Shigar? Um, nothing, nothing. Ma- I, I just, you know, look, it's the golden age of television, and television is still yeah. reigning supreme. Uh, I mean, you- there's thousands of television podcasts you can listen to, so I don't <laughs> want to get into that too much, but being the only podcast about movies. Yeah, uh, but if if you could... Um, it's not a trend, but, but what, you know, this thing about, uh, Fargo, you know, taking a movie and turning it into a TV show. Yeah. Um, I think we'll see a little bit more of that with the success of Fargo. Um, and, uh, everyone should watch the Nick. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, things that you're looking forward to next year. Yeah. So, uh, a couple films, I just wrote films that I'm looking forward to something I just discovered. Uh, I, I like Kevin Smith. I like Kevin Smith. I was a big, like Chasing Amy was a big movie for me. I like a lot of his movies. I didn't see Tusk. I heard mixed things about Tusk. Yeah, I didn't see it. But I guess that's going to be a trilogy of films, sort of. Tusk is? Not like the characters in Tusk, but there's one character, I guess, that will continue on in these other two films. Like an anthology series? Yeah, so the second one is called Yoga Hosers. (laughs) Oh, and it's got Johnny Depp's daughter. It's got Johnny Depp's daughter and Harley Quinn Smith. Oh, Margot Robbie? No, Harley Quinn Smith. That's Kevin Smith's daughter. Oh, okay. Uh, so, and Johnny Depp, I think is the character that transfers between, I think Johnny Depp was in Tusk for a second. I, I don't know, it. I but like I was watching, sort I was, I was listening and reading up on this, on this film and it just seems super sort of, uh, I don't know, interesting and fun. And I'd be interested to see Tusk this and the third one when it's done. I don't know. I got kind of excited about that. Right. Uh, another movie, uh, obviously I can't talk about comic book movies without being excited for Deadpool. Here's a film. I, I kind of like again. I like the Deadpool character, and I, th- I think that uh, Deadpool, Dead, cool, yeah. Yeah, Deadpool, Deadpool character. Um, and no, I think I I like the look of that. I think it looks cool, and, and I, I see like it. how it came about. This is a passion project for fucking Ryan Reynolds and the people involved. They worked hard on the script to make sure it stayed true to the character, and that means rated R. I know that's weird to sort of say, but like, and their their ad campaign throughout this year has been phenomenal. Yeah. Be it their holiday stuff, the 12 days of Deadpool or the Halloween thing they did, or even the Mario Lopez thing they did on extra. Yeah. Uh, where they did the fake reveal that it was going to be PG 13. And then Deadpool comes over and goes, fuck you Slater and smashes a chair over his head. <laughs> like there's just, it's the perfect Deadpooliness. Yeah. Um, I'm oddly excited because I haven't watched any trailers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just, I am a big Batman fan the Batman v Superman movie because I haven't watched anything. I'm kind of like I want to see what they're doing. You know, I want to see the Ben Affleck Superman. I want to see if, you know, like I one of my you know I've always loved Frank Miller's Dark Knight, and I feel like that they're really trying to translate that into the film. And let I'm me, I'm I'm curious. I'm very curious about that. Let me know? ask you. Let me ask you when the last time you read Frank Miller's Dark Knight is. I, I I read it. I read it kind of like once every couple of years. Really? Yeah, I do. And you think it holds up? No, it it, it it's the more I've read it, the more it falls it's apart. Such it's such a, a teenage boy thing. Well, it's such a. The more I read it, the stranger it gets. Like it's it like every time I read it, like. 
the Joker's plan seems weirder and weirder. Well, to I me. think I think it's you're 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 growing up, you're evolving as a person, you're thinking more. Yeah. I think I think as a teenage boy and even a young young man, you're like this is so fucking smart yeah. and dark and cool. Yeah. And eventually, you're like, uh, what? I remember the thing with the dark uh, the Dark Knight was like I was I was that guy. I was walking around going, "This is smart and cool and one of the best comics ever written." And then someone handed me Watchmen. Yeah, and I read Watchmen and I was like, uh, "Yeah, okay, Watchmen's yeah, great. I, I get it." Yeah. Um, and and ever since I've read it, it's like, oh yeah, Watchmen is better than this. I just I can't get excited about Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice because they're blowing their load all over the place, which kind of tells me they don't even think they have anything. Haven't watched the trailer. So I, I can't know. Say. And I, I, know. I, I the thing, the odd thing is, I didn't mind Man of Steel. I didn't mind it. You know, I kind of yeah, I, I hate it. Yeah, I kind of didn't mind it. I kind of didn't mind the end of it. I kind of like the style of it. I think it's got problems all over it. It's got it's. It's it's part of the superhero thing, but I, I if do- you're gonna take man of if you're gonna take Superman and darken him up and gritty realize mm. him, right? Mm. You can't you you can't. I've, be I've, stupid I've and opened hokey. a floodgate. Here. I'm, not, I'm sorry, we do have to we do have to wrap this <laughs> yeah. up. I will say this: uh, I, something I'm very disappointed about with Batman v Superman and the whole DC cinematic universe is they're not keeping the phenomenal cast of the television shows and integrating them as Arrow and the Flash. Yeah. They're just making new Arrow and new Flash in film form, and it's gonna be awful. Haven't I haven't watched those shows. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway, another movie I'm looking forward to: The Witch. That was the movie I was going to talk Look about. Look at that. We did two for two. We're <laughs> on, we're, Look on point. we're finally like We're finally converging. Our brains are kind of melding Ugh, into one. Then we got to end this quick. <laughs> That's going to be a great horror movie. Uh, I know you... Did you watch the trailer? I watched the trailer. Oh, you fucking cheater. No, and it's it's one of those... You know, like... And this is why I love The Nick this year as well, because it's one of those films that, like, you know was a really tough sell. You know, like, I want to make a film about a witch in, ni- you know, 1930s or something. Oh, 1630s. And it's like, it's a film you didn't realize you wanted until right. you yep. saw the trailer and you were like, this is what I want. Yeah. And and that was what the Nick was for me. And, and when I watched that trailer, I was like, oh yeah, I want to watch a horror movie sit in that time and place. Yeah, you know? Of course. No, no, yeah. it's going to be, it's going to be great. Uh, oh, uh, it just looks great. It could, could be terrible. Oh, yeah. What else? What else on your list? Um, we should I, breeze through some. Uh, Night of Cups, the new Terrence Malick. Oh film. yeah, that'll be that'll be good. Uh, I, I don't know. So. I I wasn't a big fan of To the Wonder, uh, even though I'm a huge fan of of Terrence Malick. I feel like he's getting further and further away from what made him. He's sort of stagnating to me. Uh, you know, mesmerizing artist, uh, beautiful, beautiful filmmaker. Yeah. But uh, yeah, To the Wonder didn't do much for me. And Night of the Cup, Night of Cups. When I watched the trailer, I was like, stop watching trailers. Yeah, I know. I got to stop watching trailers. Jesus yeah. Christ! Uh, I'm looking forward to a film called Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, which is a Tina Fey joint. Yeah, Tina. Fey. And it's the direction that I want to see Tina Fey go in now. It like, looks a little bit like Three Kings. Yes, but like, here's here's the deal, like. I love 30 Rock and I love the sort of Lisa Lemon sort of persona. And yeah. I feel like that's a lot of Tina Fey's sort of shtick in films. Yeah. It's not, it's what it's different and it's changed a little bit, but this felt like an actual real character from an actress that I love and a great writer and a great overall entertainer that I love. And I, I, I think it felt different enough, but it, it kept enough of her in it and sort of a niceties with it, but also, also felt completely new, at least from the trailer's perspective. So uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I the only the only reason I'm looking forward to it is the, is the directors, um, Glenn Ficarra and John Rickwood. They did a film that you and I went and saw together. I can't remember if we reviewed it on the show called Focus, 
with Will Smith. Oh yeah, did we review that? Or no, did we, we did just, not. We just we hung just it. talked about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I just look. Cra- they did a film called Crazy Stupid Love, which was like, wh- yeah, one of those just like surprise knockouts for me. And so you know, and I just thought they're exceptional filmmakers. Yeah, uh, they did a film I love you, Philip Morris, as well. So I'm kind of like, I'm curious to see what they do. Nice, you know. Uh, also, uh, a film called Green Room. Oh yeah, uh, Blue Ruin. Uh, J- uh, John Salin. Oh, I've forgotten his name. Salazar, yeah. I think his name. Salazar. Yeah, I and I- I've met him, and I think we're actually friends on Facebook. So Ooh. I wouldn't say we're friends. Friends, of course. though. You're internet friends. We're, we're uh, we know some of the same people. It's punks versus neo Nazis with, uh, with fucking Sir Patrick Stewart. Stewart. Yeah. Man. And go check out Blue Ruin because Blue Ruin is a really good example of micro film, micro budget filmmaking that is extraordinary. Yeah. Um, the let's see before I just hit lightning round. Suicide Squad back in the DC trailer. Yeah, kind of, kind of. I, I like that first if, trailer. If there's one hope I have for the DC cinematic universe, it's Suicide Squad. Right. And uh, I again, I think it comes from DC's strength in its media department and its in its visual moving motion picture department is taking their smaller characters and developing shit around it. Uh, and even I know Harley Quinn's not a small character, but like it, it's just it's I don't know the casting seems great there, uh, and uh, I hope I hope it lives up to its name, and I hope it uh, can really fucking kill it out there. Yeah, no, I I kind of like the looks of this, you know. Like I'm I'm curious to see these films, yeah. um, like Batman v Superman and this. And well, I'm, that one is. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Uh, I have just three more. I'm gonna lightning round if you're not if you're done. Yeah, yeah. Good. Uh, uh, so Rogue One. Obviously, I'm interested in. We've talked enough about Star Wars to to just sort of. I like the idea of. And, and is that, that one going to be directed by Gareth Edwards? I believe so. Curious to see what he does. I'm also curious to see Doctor Strange. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I love uh, Cumberbatch, and I think uh, he is the perfect choice for Stephen Strange. And I'm interested to see if Marvel, Marvel, in my eyes, has been able to pull off its main weird characters well. There's no one weirder than Doctor Fucking Strange. Like. It's magic now. We're going to be dealing with magic, and we touched on magic a little bit in Thor and that sort of shit, but that's still gods and things, which I feel like magic is more easily, I don't know, it's just more easily digestible. But we're throwing now mysticism into the Marvel Universe, which has been up to this point all sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Moving on. And actually, the, the, one, the main thing I'm looking forward to is Civil War, baby. Don't care. <laughs> yeah, that's your problem. Yeah. Uh, that I, I, I've even watched the ca- the the Captain America trailer. And is I'm like, gonna be fucking bananas, and I cannot wait to see how they adapt. One of my some people call it a clusterfuck. It's one of my. Fa- it's one of the things that got me back into comics back in the day was reading that. Right. Because uh, I go through phases. But I, um, I watched that trailer and just thought, well, this is gonna be more of the same. I disagree entirely. <laughs> I think it's going to be really fun and uh, it's going to tear the Avengers sort of lineup apart and then uh, give it a nice sort of jumping off point for shit to, to quadruple hit the fan in Infinity War. Anyway, those I'm doing, are, I'm doing my smuggest like I don't give a shit. Look, <laughs> hey, you keep you keep doing you and not enjoying things that are entertaining and joyful, and I'll keep smiling and laughing and having a good time and pretending to be Iron Man at the movies. Um <laughs> Yeah, so that's the sort of things I'm looking forward to in 2016. I think uh, I think that does it for me. Yeah, no, I mean nothing different on the list there. Knight of Cups and The yeah. Witch were the kind of the two things. Batman v Superman. So yeah, right. Sure. Um, well, guys, there'll be plenty more that comes out that we won't even know about. You know, we'll have to we'll I have know. to look at this uh, this episode as a time capsule and come back I and know. see how we did. Jesus. 
<laughs> well, this has been the only podcast where we pat ourselves on the back about the films we reviewed and the things that we like. Uh, <laughs> tell us what you like. Yeah, tell us. Email us in. Uh, tell We'd us. love to have suggestions for movies as well. That's the other thing, too. If there's a film that you're wondering about and you don't want to spend your hard-earned mm. money, email us and we'll go spend our hard-earned money and tell you if it's worthwhile. Yeah. Uh, I think that'd be really fun. Uh I, I just uh, just keep keep the conversation open, people, because it's it's it is such a joy to actually uh, discuss things with people that like or dislike the same things that we're talking about. Yay, uh, guys! Uh, actually, Shahir, we've been doing a lot of plugging for the show, but where can people find you? Last plug: www.shahirdaud.com. S H A H I R D A U D dot com, where you can see all my work, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff's there. Uh, that's not the last plug because I'm going to plug me, you motherfucker. Uh, MatthewKroll.com, K-R-O-L.com, uh, where you can see all my work and all that nonsense. Skeletor, the number four, P-R-E-Z on Instagram and Emperor MSK on Twitter. Uh, also, guys, last thing we'll ask uh, of you this uh, for the first time in 2016. Uh, please, if you enjoy this podcast, Hell, if you don't enjoy this mm. podcast, on iTunes, please rate us. Write it a little us, blurb uh, review and rate us. Uh, five stars would be preferable. But, you know, <laughs> go with what your heart feels. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Follow your heart. <laughs> uh, it does. It helps us sort of get the word out and continue on doing the stuff that hopefully you like. Um, Shahir, thank you for a wonderful year. Here's to a big 2016. Here's to a big 2016. Uh, and guys, we'll see you next time uh, for the first actual review of the year. It's exciting. The only podcast about movies. Can I sing a song? No. no. I'm going to be quiet for once. Now. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> <laughs>